Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this pre-recorded service for the 11th of April 2021. Um, my name is Philip Wells. I'm going to be introducing, but the uh, talk is going to be from our good friend and uh, colleague John Woods. Uh, I'm service minister of the church, and uh, <coughs> as I've said, I'm going to be leading off. Welcome to everybody. Uh, this is uh, on behalf of Calvary Church in Brighton. We are uh, an independent Baptist church which teaches the Bible based on the south coast of England. And uh, back a year ago or longer, we were 70 to 80 people meeting on a Sunday morning and we are planning to be opening up uh, under the COVID restrictions subject to government guidelines on the 25th of April. So that's something to look forward to. So as you will have gathered, the uh, introduction has been pre-recorded a, a week earlier. And um, as we come towards the Sunday of the broadcast, we've received the sad news of the death of uh, His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the uh, husband of the Queen. And we are told that we should make prayers and intercessions and giving thanks for all for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So I think it is fitting for us to note the passing of Prince Philip, who has served uh, his country faithfully over many, many years and been a, a support to Her Majesty the Queen, our Head of State, and to mark his passing as we meet together as a church uh, we extend our condolences to the royal family, uh, insofar as we have any contact with the royal family. But uh, it is a sad thing for our nation and uh, for those close to Prince Philip, obviously. Before we go on, I'd like to offer prayer and I've looked up in the, uh, uh, not the Book of Common Prayer, but the successor to the Book of Common Prayer, and uh, to read a couple of the prayers that uh, are in that prayer book. The first prayers have a response, which is, Hear us, good Lord. And I'd invite you to say, Hear us, good Lord, along with me. Uh, so here is a prayer for the leaders of our nation. Let us pray. Guide the leaders of the nation into the ways of peace and justice. Hear us, good Lord. Guard and strengthen your servant Elizabeth, our Queen, that she may put her trust in you and seek your honour and glory. Hear us, good Lord. Endue the High Court of Parliament and the Ministers of the Crown with wisdom and understanding. Hear us, good Lord. Bless those who administer the law, that they may uphold justice, honesty and truth. Hear us, good Lord. Teach us to use the fruits of the earth to your glory and for the good of all mankind. Hear us, good Lord.
Bless and keep all your people. Hear us, good Lord. And uh, let me say a prayer uh, again from this uh, prayer book for the Queen, uh, to which uh, the ending word is Amen in the usual way. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, bless our Sovereign Lady, Queen Elizabeth, and all who are in authority under her, that they may order all things in wisdom and equity, righteousness and peace, to the honour of your name, the good of your church and people. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's add a prayer for comfort. Grant comfort and strength, we pray, to, uh, to Queen Elizabeth in her loss and all her family. In this loss, may they find comfort from the God of all comfort. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we'll continue according to the plan on the screen. I commend to you the five Easter questions which were recorded before Easter, but of course are still relevant. And uh, we are in the post-Easter period, and John Woods is going to be speaking relevantly to that on Psalm 118. Psalm 118 says in verse 17, I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Uh, I will not die but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. True of Messiah and through Messiah it's true of his people. We will not die but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. So let's uh, continue with our meeting. The plan is up on the screen there. And uh, as Psalm, the psalm says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And we will think of the uh, strong and death-defeating love of the Lord uh, as shown in the resurrection. And we'll sing, as we sang last week, I believe, number 464, In the tomb so cold they laid him. one 
Let's pray. We will. I'll, I'll pray a prayer, and then we will add to that uh, the Lord's prayer, which will be up on the screen, and we can say that together. Let's pray. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good; His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we bring to you our praise Lord God, that your love endures forever, that the promises that you have made endure forever, that the commitments that you have undertaken endure forever, that the uh, plans that you have made are not to be altered but endure forever, and that your determination to save your people through Jesus Christ endures forever, and that the task that you have given him of bringing each one of his elect people safe to heaven endures forever and that you will do this even if death and hell gets in the way you will bring about your promises and save your people so we thank you those of us who have received your salvation that you have heard our cries that you've taken away our hopelessness and given us hope that you've taken away our aloneness and brought us into fellowship with you that you have uh, brought us out of the miry pit and set our feet upon a rock, that you have seen our disgrace and our shame and taken it away by Christ's bearing this upon the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken our sins and forgiven them through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you have come into our stony hearts and made them hearts of responsiveness to you and love for you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. We praise you that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on the cross and is raised again. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvellous in our eyes. O Lord, save us. Grant us success. And we pray that you would do that. We pray that you would look upon the work of your kingdom, particularly here in Brighton, and grant success. 
Grant that your churches should no longer be weak and tossed about and seeming almost on the verge of extinction. And we pray, Lord, that you would uphold our dear friends in the various churches. New Life Moolscombe we think of. Please bless and uphold them. Uh, Park Hill Evangelical Church we think of and pray that you will revive and restore and bless that work. The Grace Baptist Church plant we think of and pray that you will prosper that, safeguard uh, David Skull and Naomi and uh, give them knowledge of your will and strength to serve you. We pray that you bless Tony Bickley and the folk at Ebenezer Reformed Baptist Church. Grant them your vision and your empowering and your fruitfulness. Pray for our friends at Southern Cross Evangelical Church and pray that you will restore and revive them and grant them to find someone who can lead them on into the next generation. And we pray for uh, the friends at Peace Haven Evangelical Church and pray that you will bless them with all the opportunities and possibilities that are before them. So please will you hear our prayers, forgive our sins, save your people, uphold in each and every one and bless your churches as we go on into this year. We pray, uh, we pray that you will uphold everyone who is low, who is um, perhaps cast down and uh, just feeling the long uh, effects of this pandemic and pray that you'll have mercy on them and make all your people to taste something of your joy and to taste something of uh, peace at this time. And uh, again, we pray that you'll lead us forward as a church, particularly in this matter of future ministry and provide for us. So here are our prayers and we pray in Jesus' name, and also now we pray the Lord's Prayer. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. So, Amen. We've prayed and in a moment we're going to have something with the children in mind. It's going to be a reading uh, that uh, Lilia has done for us. And let me just introduce it. Uh, we're going to have read to us about Jesus entering Jerusalem, which we were remembering a fortnight ago, the triumphal entry. And we're going to have some uh, Lego video of uh, that scene done rather nicely. The people sing out or shout out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And after the reading, I'll just make a comment about that word Hosanna. So let's have the reading now. Thank you very much. As they all approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethany. It was out on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent out two disciples. He said to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As soon as you get there, you'll find a donkey tied up. Her colt will be with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. The owner will send them right away. 
The disciples went and did what Jesus told them to do. They brought the donkey and the colt. They placed their coats on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their coats on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Some people went ahead of him and some followed and they all shouted, Hosanna the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. The people asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus. He is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So thank you for the reading. It included the multitudes crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And although that was uh, to do with Palm Sunday, which, as I say, we remembered uh, a couple of weeks ago, it actually fits very well with the psalm that we're going to be thinking of, which is Psalm 118, which is going to be read in just a moment, because those quotes, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, are actually quotes from Psalm 118. Uh, Hosanna, save now, I pray, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are quotes from Psalm 118. And the Hosanna means save now. It's an appeal to Messiah, to the Lord's Messiah, to take his power, to reign, to show that he is king, uh, to to reign and rule and advance his purposes. And uh, that's something that we want to say every day and something that we want God to do every day. It's a relevant prayer for every day. So thank you very much, uh, Lilia and uh, Anya and family, for putting that together for us. And now we'll have the psalm itself read by Rosemary. Thank you very much, Rosemary. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say... His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. 
The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures for ever. And we come to sing. We'll sing two songs back to back. Uh, first of all, we'll sing a version of Psalm 118, something very good and right about singing the very words, well, they're not the very words, but the translated, paraphrased words of uh, the Psalms that God says this is what his people should be singing. So we'll sing Psalm 118, give thanks to God for he is good. And then uh, we'll sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that's the song with the new chorus in this version, uh, Christ alone, cornerstone. And that's who he is, isn't it? The stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. So two songs to sing back to back if you're interested in the numbers, 118 and 779, but the words will come up on the screen. Yeah. 
So John's going to uh, lead us in uh, these thoughts on Psalm 118. I haven't seen the video yet. I think he might pray, but in case he doesn't, let's pray anyway. Lord, help us to hear your word and that our hearts might burn within us as we find that Christ is in all the scriptures. We pray that Christ would make his presence known through the opening up of scripture and enlarge our faith, cause our hearts to burn and our faith to be strong and our hope to be strong and our love for you to be strong. So help us to hear. Amen. Thank you for your welcome to Calvary Church this weekend. Very pleased to be preaching on the Sunday after Easter. Uh, in the traditional sense of the, the church year, Easter um, continues all the way through to um, Pentecost, and we are in the season of Easter. It does seem a pity to leave it behind too quickly. I always look forward to reading the Spectator magazine, um, not least because it does um, keep a door open to the possibility that there might be a God and that Christianity might have something um, to say to us in the 21st century. And the, the Easter special uh, published just before Easter was no exception. Um, on the cover of the magazine was this brilliant image, uh, imagined image of what Easter Sunday morning might have looked like from the empty tomb. The huge stone that had been rolled over the opening of Jesus's borrowed tomb has burst open and, uh, and the sun is is visible on the sunrise of, of Easter morning and the tomb itself is empty apart from the the grave clothes which have been left by Jesus who is alive from the dead he is risen he is risen indeed hallelujah is what this particular image is trying to communicate. What is particularly remarkable though is not only that the oldest magazine in the world, The Spectator, should um, print uh, a, a magazine with this as their cover, but that a number of the articles inside uh, explore uh, themes around Christianity and around Easter, as was the case with many newspapers and magazines over the Easter period. And one of the articles inside speaks about the, the transformation which uh, results from experiencing Jesus Christ and the reality of the news about him. These are the words. Um, ultimately, transformation is what Easter is about. A man bodily raised from the dead and returning to his new body. Neither corpse nor ghost to have breakfast with his friends. The life after death, as it is termed, was a completely novel idea that became the basis of a hope that has changed everything. A hope that has changed everything. Certainly, uh, we might ignore the, the Easter message. We might ignore the news that God has become man and lived amongst us 
and died upon the cross, and it is claimed rose again on the third day. We might claim that to be the case. But we cannot avoid that there is a message of hope that has changed everything, um, even the way that we date our history before and after Christ. We live in the year of the Lord, 2021, uh, marking just over two centuries since the time of the birth of Jesus, um, nearly 2,000 years since his death upon the cross and the claim that he had been raised from the dead. They say that a week is a long time in politics, and certainly that's been the case over this past year or so, with, with things changing so quickly, uh, opinions, leaders, parties, policies, rapid change, one week. And of course, the Easter week is a, a case in point that one week in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was so fast moving and dramatic and its impact upon human history and human experience is so powerful and considerable. As we said in the traditional church year, uh, Easter, the season of Easter, continues from Easter Sunday through to Pentecost, uh, in order that people might be able to take a long lingering look at the implications of this astonishing news, this hope that has changed everything, might linger for a while upon all the different contours of this amazing message that Jesus is alive. And on this particular Sunday, I want us to uh, take a look for a little while at some aspects of Psalm 118, and in particular, um, the way in which that psalm is used in the New Testament. Psalm 118 is an interesting psalm, isn't it? It's, uh, it's tucked in between the very shortest psalm, Psalm 117, that speaks about the amazing faithfulness of God to all the nations, and the longest psalm, Psalm 119, that speaks about human faithfulness to God by listening to and submitting to his word. And in many ways, Psalm 118, and what we're going to see about Psalm 118, fits very well between those two themes, the faithfulness of God and the faithful commitment of someone who is devoted to that faithful God. In many ways, Jesus stands perfectly between those two themes, for he is the faithful God who has come to our world, and as a real human being, he has given um, a faithful life of obedience to his heavenly Father for us, standing in our place obedient for us, standing in our place bearing the consequences of our disobedience for us. Psalm 118 is quoted or alluded to um, from between 20 and 60 times in the New Testament, depending on quite how we, we see those echoes um, and, and hints of a reference to this particular psalm. It is the most quoted um, psalm in 
the New Testament. Um, it is remarkable um, that we can turn to this ancient song and see something about the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We encounter the psalm on Palm Sunday, just to uh, rewind a bit um, in the Easter story. And all four Gospels refer to Psalm 118 in their telling of the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. It forms some of the words that the, the crowd will use as they speak about Jesus, as they respond to this amazing event of Jesus uh, riding triumphantly into Jerusalem and palm branches being waved and uh, a spectacular moment of welcome. Jesus, who had largely lived incognito many, many times, who had not sought to draw attention to himself, suddenly in this blaze of publicity, the, the crowds demonstrating that he is someone worthy of note and worthy of attention. On this, on this Palm Sunday, um, these words from Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26, Lord save us, Lord grant us success, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, from the house of the Lord we bless you. Hosanna, Lord save us, Lord save us. There was this sense in which Jesus was coming into Jerusalem as the one who would rescue the people. Now, now clearly um, there were mixed messages in these words. For some people, this meant uh, rescue us from the, the, the yoke of Roman slavery, help us to be free again, make Israel great again, um, help us to stand tall in the world. Um, others amongst the crowd would recognise that perhaps salvation needs to be deeper than that, that our greatest problems are not political and social, they are spiritual, that to be set free inside is uh, the the major step towards seeing social and political change. We need to be changed from the inside out. Um, it is so possible, isn't it, to have a vision of a of a transformed world, um, to try and deal with injustices, to try and square the circle of social problems, but forget that if you don't have changed individuals, it's very difficult to have a changed society. And this um, this psalm um, has a place in the Lord's Supper. Uh, when when Jesus met with his disciples, we read in, in chapter 26 of, of Matthew's Gospel, uh, at the end of the Lord's Supper, we read um, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30, that when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This was immediately before Jesus uh, is arrested and stands trial and goes to the cross. They sung a hymn. They sang the hymn that is called Halal. Um, Halal because of um, the way that this particular hymn is constructed, um, uh, beginning and ending with, with hallelujah, praise to the Lord. And the Halal is a particular run of psalms from Psalm 113 
to Psalm 118. It was uh, seen to be a, a unit that was sung at the Passover time. And it's interesting that it is Psalm 118, which is the last psalm, the last song that Jesus sings before he is arrested and goes to the cross. You know, I I kind of think about this and I think, you know, what, what was it like um, for the disciples and Jesus to sing this particular psalm at this particular time? What was going through the mind of Jesus? What was going through the mind of the disciples as they sang these words? Can we imagine what he might be thinking, what he might be anticipating as he knew what was to come as he sings this particular psalm? And in many ways, as we reflect on some of the verses from this psalm, we are trying to sing off the same hymn sheet as Jesus. We're trying to get a, a grip on his intentions, his mindset, as he leaves the upper room and the Lord's Supper and goes out into the future that will be climaxed in the cross and then eclipsed by the resurrection on the third day. We see um, that there is distress expressed in this psalm, and there is victory expressed in this psalm. There is celebration. It is a psalm that begins uh, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for his good, his love endures forever. It is a, a psalm of celebration, but a psalm of celebration in thanksgiving for a crisis which has been resolved. A crisis from which um, the person at the heart of the crisis has experienced rescue and a completely new beginning. The psalm is a perfect preparation in a sense for the crisis that is before Jesus, the crisis that hemmed him in on the cross and led to his death there. So we come to Good Friday and these words um, in, in verse 5, when hard pressed I cried to the Lord. Verses 10 to 11, um, we're, we have a description of being surrounded by enemies, um, surrounded by, by bees buzzing furiously and frantically. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. Um, it is um, an amazingly sharp description of what was happening to Jesus as he goes toward the cross, as the the enemies circle around him, as as those who falsely accuse him gang up against him, as the crowd change their tune from Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to crucify him, as Jesus carries his cross, as he goes to be crucified at Golgotha, he is hard-pressed. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. 
the psalm is the song of a king in crisis, a king who is pressed from every side, besieged by those who would do him ill. Jesus, when hard-pressed, cries to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place, or set me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The psalm is about a crisis, about being hemmed in, but it's also about the confidence that the crisis will not be the defining thing about this individual. The crisis will be real. The crisis will press in upon the character at the heart of this story, but the crisis will not be the last thing about this story. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I think it's always perhaps important for us to recognise that when we face difficulties and challenges in various ways, it may not be the final chapter of our lives. This too will pass. There will be another day. There will be another opportunity. Uh, we do feel, don't we, in this last year or so, that we've been very confined. Um, stay at home. Keep your distance. Um, not being able to, to go to, to places that we um, would be so used to going to in the past. Uh, a restricted, a confined life. But this is not necessarily the, the whole of the story. There is another day. There is a new day. There's, there's fresh opportunity. Um, the, the restricted place can become the spacious place. The place that's intimidating and frightening can be a place where there is no fear, where we experience the deliverance and the grace of God. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 14. This is what Jesus was singing when he had had the last supper with the disciples. Um, he was singing about being pressed, but he was also singing about rescue. Um, and I think that it's important within an authentic Christian message and an authentic Christian experience to recognise that life combines those two factors, that life combines genuine suffering, difficulty, setbacks and challenges, human pain and sometimes devastation, but that this isn't the whole of the story because our God is a God who gives us strength, who gives us song in our days of trouble and will be our salvation. The Christian life is not all about Good Friday. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that's true in our human experiences. We might feel pressed at this moment, but it needn't necessarily be the defining aspect of our lives. The Lord is your strength. He will strengthen you. The Lord is your song. He'll give you a song to sing. The Lord's your salvation. He will rescue you. I received the uh, 
the newsletter from Christians Against Poverty the other day, and it told this story about Rebecca. Rebecca, as a, as a young woman, a teenager, um, was in an abusive relationship with a, with a partner. She was pregnant, uh, but miscarried and their baby child died um, 17 uh, weeks old. And unbeknown to Rebecca, her, her partner, her older partner, had been racking up huge amounts of debt so that um, she um, was responsible for huge sums of money far beyond her ability um, to pay. She'd lost a little girl who she named Riley and now she was facing losing everything else because of the recklessness of her partner. For two years bills kept coming into the door and Rebecca was frantic with worry. She wondered how she was going to survive, how she was going to feed herself and how she was going to warm herself in the home. In 2019, she found out about Christians Against Poverty and she got in touch with them. And she said that the remarkable thing about uh, seeing the people at Christians Against Poverty is that they did not judge her. They did not look down at her, but they treated her with respect and love. And she was assigned a, um, a helper, a, a debt counsellor, who helped her to think through how she could approach um, her debt and how she could um, budget um, for the future. And in the process of this, she was invited along to the church that the debt counsellor um, went to. And she said that during the sermon, I felt love I had never felt before. I was no longer living just for me. I was living for Christ. I was delighted, um, said her helper, that Rebecca was baptised in October 2019. It's wonderful, one of her friends said, to see how this formerly very shy young woman has a relationship with God, has a confidence in him that she has treasure in heaven. With Cap's help and with the Lord's help, she became debt free in 2020, Easter 2020, which meant that in the hardest aspects of the, the pandemic, her finances were far more robust and she was able to make progress. So much so that in September 2020, she was able to begin training as a psychiatric nurse. And she made a brilliant start passing with flying colours. Rebecca felt that she was hemmed in on every side by trouble. She was in a real crisis. But she cried out for help. She cried out for financial help and she received advice. And she cried out for spiritual help and saw in Jesus Christ a love for her that saw beyond her perilous circumstances, her financial mess, to a human being in need of being loved, 
forgiven and experiencing new life. What did that writer of um, the article in the Spectator magazine say? The basis of a hope that changed everything. I wonder what your crisis is at this moment. I wonder what fix you're in, what tight spot you're in. Jesus can meet you there. And then on Easter Sunday, um, we read these words, Psalm 118, verse 16. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Uh, this is a term that um, is, is a quotation from uh, the song in Exodus 15 about God's deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt. The Lord's right hand has lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Jesus sings this just before he is arrested and goes to the cross. And he sings these words, verse 17, I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. This is what Jesus was singing. He was going to the cross aware of the, the pain and distress of that experience, but also aware that he was going to step through that experience and go beyond it. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. This is the confidence that Jesus was singing um, when he sang with his disciples at the Lord's Supper. I wonder what the disciples were thinking when he sang this and they sang this. I wonder what they were thinking when Jesus was trudging his way to the cross. This is a confidence. As Jesus said in, in John's Gospel, chapter 10, no one has taken my life from me. I'm laying it down and I will take it up again. Remarkable confidence, remarkable hope. Of course, um, we're, we're told, aren't we, in John's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 30, that one of the words that Jesus speaks from the cross is the word, it is finished. I will proclaim what the Lord has done, the psalm says. What has the Lord done? Finished. Finished his work. The most famous rescue in all the world, Jesus, upon the cross, says it's finished. It has been done. It's been accomplished, this work of bringing salvation to human beings, of dealing with sin and death and hell, of opening a door of life, of opening a door of hope to those who are dead in their sins and who are hopeless and helpless without Christ. It is finished. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, Psalm 118, verse 22. And um, this is a statement that's quoted again and again in the New Testament, in the Gospels and Acts and in the letters, describing the work of Jesus Christ. The most famous stone in history is not a stone that can be found in Stonehenge or any other historic site. It's the stone that is a person. It is the stone 
that is Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Uh, those who are experts, those who are the building experts who know about uh, the materials to choose and where the materials need to go, looked over this particular stone and they didn't feel it was up to the mark and they rejected the stone. The stone that was supposed to be a seal to the door of his tomb is rolled away. The stone which the builders rejected has become the corner. Jesus was the key stone that had come into the world revealing himself to his people, but they rejected the chief stone. The builders, the uh, movers and shakers of the world of Jesus' time, they had um, no time for this stone. They rejected the stone. But there is a complete reversal of expectation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone. Someone has said that the building block that was rejected became the cornerstone of a whole new world. Jesus was not the acceptable one. He was not the acceptable one amongst those who were the movers and shakers in the first century. He simply did not fit into their expectations of what the King of Heaven might look like, of what a rescue might look like. His life, his teaching, his offer of salvation didn't fit into their particular worldview and lifestyle. Jesus didn't fit. And of course, in the 21st century, often he doesn't fit either. He simply doesn't suit us. We would rather have another message. We would rather have another way of being rescued. We'd rather have another way of committing ourselves to the future. He simply doesn't fit. Seems to be foreign. Seems to be unacceptable. But God does not accept this rejection. God doesn't accept the no vote on Jesus. Because on the third day on the resurrection, there is a yes vote. The building block that was rejected became the cornerstone of a whole new world. The stone that was rejected suddenly becomes the foundation upon which we can build our lives. The foundation, a solid foundation, not just for this life, but for eternity itself. When Jesus rose from the dead, said Kim Keller, he came as the first instalment of the power of God, which will renew the world at the end of history. It seemed like a stone that could be tossed away. Unacceptable, not fitting, but in fact it was the very cornerstone of God's new creation, of God's new beginning for our world. There is no foundation for life unless we're founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ, built on him. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ if you want a foundation that will never be shaken. Easter is a one-off event, but it's also a continuing experience. Um, I remember um, reading about 19th century preacher called R.W. Dale, who discovered 
uh, in his preparation for, for a sermon on one occasion, that the importance of, of Easter and the, the importance of the power of the resurrection. And as a result of that, he decided that on every Sunday morning, uh, their congregation would begin their service with an Easter hymn to remind them that the one-off event is a continuing experience. Jesus is alive. The rejected stone has become the cornerstone. That's something to celebrate. Come, people of the risen King. Rejoice, rejoice in this fact. Uh, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Um, we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's almost as if the resurrection morning, Easter Sunday, is described as a complete new beginning, a new creation. And that's the way um, the Apostle Paul described it. If anyone is in Christ, they're new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We're part of what God is doing to rebuild the universe, a new heaven, a new earth, the home of righteousness. The Lord has acted decisively. He has done something that can produce life and hope and a fresh beginning for human beings on the earth. This is obviously um, prophetic scripture, says, um, says Augustine. Wanted us to understand something, someday, not of a common sort, not visible to eyes of flesh, not the kind of day that has a sunrise and a sunset, but a day which could know a dawn, but could never know a setting. A dawn that would never know a setting. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's an event, an event that happened in history. Jesus rose from the dead. There's also a continuing experience. We continue to live in this day. We continue to live in Easter day. We are an Easter people because Jesus is alive. The stone the builders rejected has become the corner stone. No wonder the psalm concludes, You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. This is an echo of how the psalm begins. He is good, for his mercy endures forever. That last verse, verse 29, almost sums up the whole biblical story in a nutshell. He is good, his mercy endures forever. Good Friday seems to have the message, God is dead. The hope is dead. The promise is dead. Easter Sunday morning tells us he is alive. Hope is alive. All the message of Jesus Christ is true. He has been vindicated. The rejected one has been 
exalted. You are my God. I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to the Lord for his good. For his mercy endures forever. Those were the last words on the lips of Jesus before he went to his arrest and his death. And they're the words of someone who knows that the story is not over yet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you for the reality that Jesus is alive. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to build our lives upon him, build our lives upon the message that he is the true revelation of you, the living God, that he is the true saviour from sin, that he is the one who has defeated death, and that he is the one who opens up a doorway of hope and eternity. Help us, we pray, to build our lives on him, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're grateful that we've heard God's word. And to close, we'll sing uh, 495. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Mortals give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. And this is a Wesley hymn, and in a very classic manner, he identifies the reigning Lord with Jesus, none less than Jesus. Jesus the Saviour reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, he took his seat above. His kingdom cannot fail, he rules both earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus given. He sits at God's right hand till all his foes submit and bow to his command and fall beneath his feet. Rejoice in glorious hope, Jesus the judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the archangel's voice, God's trumpet call shall sound, rejoice. So we'll sing 495.
As we close, let's have these words from Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and for evermore. Amen. Amen. Well, Uh, good to have this time together and I look forward to seeing you soon and I look forward to seeing uh, seeing us as it were in person from April the 25th but until then I'll just say bye bye for now bye bye